I was just going on 14 years old. So I was 13. It was 1998 in February, I believe, but I don't know the exact date, but it was still winter because I had this, uh, <laughs> this like puffy green and red forest green, um, two-tone forest green and red Tommy Hilfiger winter puffy coat that I got from like the outlet store and I was in the eighth grade and that coat got stolen from the cafeteria in eighth grade, but never mind that. It happened after after this, this day at least. So, you know, when we were kids, we lived probably like 15 minute drive from downtown Minneapolis where the Minnesota Timberwolves played, where the stadium was, the Target Center. And it was probably like, we had a bus line, the 14, that would drop off downtown. Uh, a couple blocks from the house, the 14 would pick up. And we used to get on the bus and we used to go down to the um, Timberwolves games. We didn't have tickets ever, but scalping on the premises was still illegal at the time. And sometimes this one cop would look out for us. He'd bust scalpers and then just give us the tickets, and we'd go in. But most of the time, we would uh, find prop doors because the Target Center is like <laughs> one of the oldest basketball stadiums, <clears throat> if not if not the oldest and you know, you know, just not not all the way together um, up until recent renovations a few years back. But back then, 98, we used to have prop doors around the stadium, and we just go on those prop doors, run up the stairs to the, like, first, second deck, and we just walk in. Boom, we in. Once we get in that outside door, we in there. So we used to do that all the time, and and – and, and so, <laughs> all we also used to go to the hotel. The hotels that the teams used to stay in were like one block away from the stadium, but they were getting their coach buses, coach charter buses, at the hotels one block away, and drive one block to the uh, Target Center garage. So all the players would, you know, head to the game around five five thirty ish, and uh, we used to catch the bus downtown, like uh, you know, two, three, four of us, pretty consistently when we could. School nights didn't matter, and we would go down and uh, we'd be outside those hotels before they get on the bus to go to the stadium before the game, and we'd you know get autographs, take pictures, what have you, you know. And so it was always a race to get downtown by like five o'clock, one way or another. After school, whatever, skip out on dinner at home. We'd meet up, catch that bus. Well, um, the Lakers were in town, and I'd never seen Kobe Bryant play. Um, and like my all time, like my, my favorite player was probably Gary Payton because I was like a point guard and I the Gary Payton talk shit. He talked the most shit out of anybody. So I love that post up point guard leader, you know, all of that good stuff. I love Baron Davis. I love Marbury. But so this was 98 <clears throat> and, you know, I tell long ass stories, but whatever. It's my show, right? It's your show too, but I got the mic. And uh, if and if you're not a basketball fan or an NBA fan from back in the day or whatever, then you know this is the story. So you're gonna get the story. Um, so Stephon Marbury and Garnett were together uh, for a few years, and then Steph Steph he left. This is whatever whatever was over money, and KG wanted a billion dollars at the time. 
And could he have taken like 10 million less and Steph would have stuck around? Who knows? I don't know exactly how the story goes, but Marbury left. So KG and Marbury broke up before there was, like they would have been Shaq and Kobe before there was a Shaq and Kobe. So, you know, Minneapolis was pissed off about that. And Timberwolves fans were pissed off. But since I was a point guard, I had to take Steph's side. So I pretty much uh, disowned the Timberwolves after Marbury left. And um, I knew, like, I love movies by the time I was around that age, 12, 13. And Denzel Washington then and still is my favorite actor. And I would see Denzel Washington at the Lakers game. So I was like, hmm, I guess I guess I'm a Laker fan because one day I want to be an actor and, and I want to be in movies. And so Denzel sits courtside at Lakers games. That's my dream. I'm going to sit courtside at Lakers games. So, so yeah, I became a Laker fan just like that. And I knew who Kobe was, and I was a fan of, you know, all kinds of players all over the league. But Kobe already had, you know, I guess, you know, people have heard the stories, especially since he died, that he was young, arrogant, ambitious, albeit but a little bit cocky, whatever. People, you know, rub people the wrong way, rub the public the wrong way, rub his teammates the wrong way, rub the, the whole world the wrong way. And just in terms of personality at the time, because he was a young kid, so gifted, and a lot of people mistaked his, you know, even his early drive. You know, he didn't play a ton when he first got to the league. So whatever, attitude aside, however anyone perceived his attitude, um, he had a really big reputation for being kind of an asshole and um and whatever, right? So <clears throat> you don't know what you don't know anything. You read about any given celebrity or athlete, you never know the truth, right? And if you think you know the truth from what you read, eh, it's not always the case and you know, unless you unless you got like, you know, a, a groundswell of people saying some shit. So I I'm not saying the shit wasn't true. But um, <clears throat> most people first started to like Kobe if you're if they were a sports fan because of the sport of basketball. So as a basketball player, I'm like, he's cool. But I definitely like, you know, like we will go down to the hotels and want to get players autographs from from the superstars to the stars to the to the role players. We just love the game that much. And the Lakers were in town and I couldn't find anybody to go to the game with me. No one, like, you know, we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So I couldn't get a hold of anybody. I don't know where anybody was. And it's a school night. It was definitely a weeknight of school night. And I just, like, fuck it. And it was winter, so, you know, it still got dark kind of early, about 530 or something. And it was probably, like, 5 o'clock. I was, like, running late to catch the bus to get down to the hotel in time to try to catch the players getting on the bus. So I ran to the bus stop, got on one of the buses, got off the bus, ran, sprinted, sprinted to the Radisson. They were at the Radisson on uh, 7th Street in Hennepin in downtown Minneapolis. And I sprinted. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I got there. I saw the coach bus. It wasn't a lot of fans, which means like they already probably on the bus because it was probably only like, you know, five to ten fans. Usually it's about 20 to 30 and I got there I'm out of breath and Kobe had this little Kobe fro so at the time I had my yeah I was becoming a bigger Kobe fan because I, I remember I had my Kobe fro and I get there 
the bus is there. They're they're on the bus. I, you know, no one's coming out. They're all on the bus. All the players are on the bus, and I'm like, Shh. I'm I'm just like dejected. I'm I'm out of breath. I'm kind of sad, like disappointed, a little bit of myself for not getting on the earlier bus, whatever the circumstances, and also just that I just I had just missed the players coming out of the hotel, and that was that, you know. And I was like, I'm crazy though, y'all. Y'all don't know me, man. I was, you know, a little 13 year old, got my Kobe fro. The bus doors were still open. And there was this driver. He was probably like in his 50s, maybe 60s. And uh, just, you know, this old white driver or whatever, guy driving the bus. The bus doors were still open. So maybe there was like a coach or, you know, whatever, an intern or someone still coming out the hotel to get on the bus, maybe a player left over. But I was pretty sure the whole team was on the bus <clears throat> just because all the fans had had dispersed. And uh, I just, fuck, I said, I got on the bus. I stepped up, walked up the stairs of the bus, got on, it was dark as fuck on the bus, couldn't really see anything, um, barely any lighting. And uh, and I was kind of just looking around and, and, and my little... You know, my voice definitely wasn't this deep when I was 13, but I was like, couldn't see. I couldn't even see any players. I, I couldn't make out anybody's faces. It was so dark. So I just started. I leaned against a couple of the seats in the front. And I was like, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. No, I ain't getting no. I ain't getting no response until I heard, uh, like, you know, a guy leaned forward and leaned out, kind of in the aisle, and it was Derek Fisher, and he's like, Hey, kid, get your little ass off the bus. I was like, Damn. So. I walked down the steps of the bus and I was like head down, you know, had my little disposable camera because that's what we had them little Kodak disposable cameras that I probably stole from the Tom Thumb corner store. And um, <laughs> so my head's down. I'm sad. I'm like, damn, I was this close to fucking meeting Kobe Bryant. And, you know, about 10 seconds after I got off the bus, this fucking hand grabs my shoulder and all I hear is hey kid you want a picture because uh the Kodak disposables in my in my hand still just kind of hanging low and I was kind of slumped and Kobe's shoulder Kobe's hand went on my shoulder and all I heard was his voice hey kid you want a picture and I turned around and look way the fuck up this dude six seven and I'm like five six seven or whatever and I'm like holy shit and I just saw it, the anyone within 10 feet I asked to take the picture Kobe puts his arm around me. I smile a big ass smile and click. The the random uh passerby took the picture and Kobe got back on the bus. And I was like, oh shit. And that was that. And like the next day, man, first thing I did was uh <laughs> first thing I did was go to the Walgreens, the nearest Walgreens and get them fucking photos developed. Um, and I just like ran the camera out. I ran. The, I did sneak into the game still because I'm crazy, right? We used to sneak into them doors, and I just ran the camera out. Just click, click. I didn't give a fuck what I was taking pictures of the whole rest of the film. And I went to the Walgreens and got the. Uh, I got doubles. You know, you got to get the doubles made when you print the pictures. At least back in the day, that's what we did. And there it was man, my picture with Kobe, and. Like, it meant so much to me, not just because he was a, a great player, NBA player, superstar, that I got a picture. Like, back then, I wasn't in, in the autographs. I was like, let's get a picture with these motherfuckers and hang them on, on my wall. 
and um, the picture meant a lot. But what made the picture me uh, <clears throat> what made the picture mean so much was it was like what he did. He didn't have to get off the bus. He got off the bus. You know, went out of his way to you know take this picture with me, and it just went against everything I ever heard or read or seen on ESPN or whatever commentating on how this guy was an asshole. You know, I'm like, he still might be an asshole, but this dude got off the bus for my little ass, my little 13 year old ass. And I just never forgot that. And I was like, I, I'll, you know, and when people would be like, what, you're a Lakers fan? And I'd, I'd have the Denzel reason, but like the, the, the thing that solidified it was that moment when Kobe just, Went out of his way to take that picture with me. I was like, how how am I not a Lakers fan for life? And I still am. Like, how am I not? And how am I not? How is Kobe not my favorite player now? It's just like, come on. Two plus fucking two, you know? and Or four plus four equals eight, you know? And eight was already my favorite number. So it was just perfect, y'all. It was perfect. That moment was perfect. And I'm like, I think about it probably once a year. One of the pictures got lost, and I had the last of the doubles when I lived in Arizona, and that got lost. I'm not going to go into how because it just, just pisses me off. But about once a year, I think about uh, regretting having lost that picture. But then when Kobe died, I was, uh, I was like, fuck, man. You know, and uh, yeah, man, Kobe, 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 Kobe was uh, – you know, and I was a point guard, but outside of that, I didn't give a fuck. Like, I wasn't going to try to shoot the lights out, but when I wanted to go into killer mode, I would try to channel Kobe. Anytime I wanted to go to killer mode, beyond the trash talk, beyond the other ways, beyond, the, beyond my style of play, just mentally when I wanted to go into killer mode on that basketball court, it was about Kobe. And that was during his playing years, and that was during my playing years. And then he took that mentality into his evolution as a, as a human being. Um, as a business person, as an advocate for young girls in the women's game. And he took that drive that it didn't all really sink in. It's, it's, it's seeming like it hasn't all really sunk in for everybody in terms of his passion to to be great at anything he does. Like he's basically like the Jay-Z of basketball in a way because he just knew he wanted to be great every fucking day. And he had to do other things to become a great human. Um, he had to... He had to learn about himself. He had to learn, you know, and, and he had to he had to mature big time in some very serious ways. And we all do in some ways. And, you know, you know, he, he dealt with a situation that that he had he and his family and and other folks uh, who were unfortunately involved uh, will never know how they've had how they've had to uh, go through it all and grow. But um, Kobe was Kobe. And that doesn't, you know, that means what it means for whoever thinks about Kobe and how they were affected by Kobe while he was alive and now that he's passed. And um, shit, you know, that's just my Kobe story. And and his daughter, Gianna, obviously those other people who died is very tragic. And his daughter, Gianna, was a little hooper. Wanted to be a basketball player, wanted to be a WNBA player. And um, I'm reminded that, uh, you know, the whole trite and cliche thing that time is short. And there's this there's this children's book I've been, want, I, I've been I started to write about. I'm not going to say the details, but it's about 
a young girl and it's about basketball. And I started writing it a few years back. My WNBA and Minnesota Lynx uh, friends know <laughs> that I've been wanting to write this book and finish it for a long, for some some odd years now. And I'm, I'm definitely going to finish it. I'm going to finish this fucking book very soon. And the character, I'm going to probably change the name of the young girl's character um, to Gianna. And if I don't do that, I had a really good title. I have a really good title for it that if I change it to Gianna, it, it loses all the ring of the title, but I'll just figure out a better ring to go with Gianna, most likely. And at the very least, it's definitely going to be dedicated to, um, you know, young girls, especially who play basketball and women in basketball and the women in the WNBA who, who I come to appreciate so much from getting to know so many players and working with so many players in the WNBA, especially the Minnesota Lynx that I could shout out for days. Um, and the books dedicated to them too, because the interviews that I did with the WNBA players, um, gave a lot of insight into how I'm going to write this children's book. But yeah, that's, that's my Kobe story. Um, you know his weapon of choice was 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 uh his weapon of choice was hard work and his weapon of choice was motivating people to you know dig deep he had his ways but uh it brought out a lot of times more often than not it brought out the best in people when when it came to uh uh becoming better within their passions and so there's a lot to still think about uh it's been about five days since he died. Um, I didn't really get out of bed for like two days. I mean, I got out of bed, but any chance I could get back in bed and do nothing, I did for the first two days since he died. And uh, um, You know, I have two daughters, and uh, it got dark mm, too many times. Still does any time I think about going out that way with your daughters with your kid like just imagining what you would do in those moments as sudden as they were like I can't imagine anything other than the the clutch and I just imagine Kobe going out the way he did everything else like I'm I'm going to I'm going to hold and clutch my daughter the best way possible to get the best result. And that's that she somehow survives this. And I can imagine that. And I imagine that over and over every day since he died. Um, but yeah, that's my Kobe story. Uh, he showed me love when I was 13 years old and I've loved him ever since. All right. I'll uh, see you in the next episode. Next episode is Black Belt Eagle Scout. You can find us on Instagram at Weapon of Choice Podcast and on Facebook at Weapon of Choice Podcast and uh, our other stuff, film and whatnot on specialmenuproductions.com. As always, this is a special menu production. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, you'll be hearing from Andrew and I in the next episode. Any day now. All right, y'all. Peace and love. Go do some good things and love some people however you can. Peace.